Today on the show, I talked to songwriter, Grammy winner, and Switchfoot frontman John Foreman about the early days of the band, how to become a prolific writer, and so much, much more on episode 28 of Who Writes This Stuff? Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so glad you're here. Way to work your internet skills in downloading this podcast. My name is Nick Flora, and as is the case more often than not, I'm coming to you from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, very excited about this episode. It was a lot of fun to do. But uh, before we get to that, I got some business. I got to get out of the way. Uh, music, please. I have a few shows coming up this week and next, July 26th. kicks off the tour, St. Louis playing a house show there uh, July 28th, Hot Springs, Arkansas at Maxine's, July 31st in Houston, Texas, Dean's on Main is the venue, uh, August 2nd, Dallas, Texas at Opening Bell, great venue, always love going back there, Dallas people, come out, please see me, uh, August 3rd, Norman, Oklahoma, playing a house show there, and then August 4th, Wichita, Kansas, playing a house show there. If you would uh, like to come to the house show, if I'm coming to your city, uh, I can't really uh, broadcast the address, but if you want to email me at houseshow at nickflora.com, I can give you all the info and the address. All house shows are open to the public, and they're really fun. It's a really fun time to hear music in an intimate environment. And as always, you can follow me at Twitter at nickflora, or also uh, if you go to nickflora.com and click on the Facebook link, all the information for all shows are there. So come out to live shows. It's really fun. Uh, I love meeting podcast listeners. It's always a fun time. If you want to contact the show, the email address is whowritesthisstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Please write in. We'll do some listener feedback segments coming up on future episodes. Uh, donate to help the, uh, keep the podcast going. It's on the podcast blog, um, uh, which is linked on Facebook and Twitter and everything else. Please, if you want to go to that, click the donate link, $1, $5, $10. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> it does help. Uh, anything does help uh, keep this podcast going. It's a free podcast, and it, but it does take money to, to put up. So uh, leave iTunes reviews, please. Uh, go to iTunes podcast page, uh, Who Writes This Stuff, and leave a quick review of the show. It takes like 10 seconds, uh, and I'll give you a shout-out on this show if you do so as a thank you. So thank you so much. It, it really does help iTunes know that we're here and that we're doing something, and uh, this is very much a uh, DIY show except the fact that we're on iTunes. But uh, uh, But it does help. Uh, in that way so please go and do that and uh, as always you can follow on Twitter for updates uh, at Who Writes Pod and as well as Facebook on the Facebook page uh, I'm going to start doing special deals for uh, people who specifically follow Facebook and Twitter so um, not just for everybody for you special people alright today on the show is uh, it's very exciting Mr. John Foreman of Switchfoot Fiction Family etc uh, I've been a fan of his for years got into Switchfoot in high school years ago and it was at the time it was a huge breath of fresh air compared to what other quote unquote Christian music I was allowed to listen to. They blew up as I'm sure you remember a few years back with the single Men to Live, which was everywhere, ubiquitous for a while, off of the album Beautiful Letdown, uh, as well as other singles such as Dairy to Move and Stars, and of course, as we all remember, Mandy Moore sang one of their songs in A Walk to Remember, so that definitely uh, helped. Uh, last week I traveled down to Hot Springs, Arkansas to the theme park, Magic Springs, which is a real place uh, I used to go when I was a kid, uh, where they were playing a show that night at the amphitheater. And if you listen carefully, I'm sure you can hear a roller coaster in the background of this recording. No, really. It was literally next door to the room we were in. Uh, I had met and talked to John a few times over the years, but uh, it was a pleasure to just get to talk to him one-on-one the way we did. It was really fun. So 
With that said, let's get on with it. Here's my talk with John Foreman. John Foreman, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for taking, yeah. the, taking the time to do this. I know we were just talking, but you've had an insane little little bit here. How many? How long have you guys been gone on this trip? Well, this one has just been more just the idea that I've had probably six hours of sleep over the last four days or something, you know, something like yeah. that, where the math starts to get a little bit... Hazy yeah, there's, and, no, there's no telling. Yeah, so but you know, um, a start date at least. We yeah, can, no, we, we can do the math together. Yeah, I, I don't want to make you think too much. <laughs> no, it's been a great summer. I got no complaints. Um, of course, we've gotten a chance to go over to Europe a couple times, two different times. Once to we did a bunch of festivals and a couple in Germany and one in the UK, um, mm-hmm. and got to play on the bill with you know the Cure and Bruce Springsteen. And, different people that we respect, you know, so. Yeah, that's, that's gotta, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, the Cure, Robert Smith does not know this, but we were calling it our, our German Cure Tour. Switchfoot Cure. I think it was Cure Switchfoot. I think that was the billing on that one. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. You print up the t-shirts, you send him one. We should have, we should have. I don't remember this at all. I don't know who these guys are. That's my Robert Smith impression. Just a random British voice. I was going to ask about that, because you guys have had the opportunity to play with these like giants in your field. This is like you guys have kind of made it to this corner office. If the music industry is an office building kind of thing, in a, in a way, <clears throat> especially considering that you guys just kind of started out, uh, you know, three piece band from San Diego, and you've been doing it so long at this point. But do you let yourself kind of just sit back and be like, this? Is, okay, this is awesome. Like at least oh, yeah. a, a little bit. Along oh the way. yeah. You guys I mean, seem to have a pretty good head on your shoulders we as are- a whole. Yeah, we, I think thankfulness is always appropriate. And in our situation, all the more so. We have so much to be thankful for. And, you know, for me, whether it's, you know, playing here at an, an amusement park right. or opening for The Cure or mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's it's um, it's all the idea that um, these songs come alive when they're played in that live environment. Yeah. And... and that becomes worth it, whether there's two people there or or two thousand. You know, it's it is a pretty special thing. You know, and that it makes all the travel and sleeplessness and all yeah. that worth it. It is. I mean, the the trickiest part about it is being away from home. You know, which yeah. when you're 18, you're thinking, man, this is amazing. This is the best. All you think about is getting out. Like, yeah. Whatever your situation is, just get out, man. Yeah, I, I remember when I um when I was in. You know, when we were first starting, I f- whenever we were home and not on tour, I felt like we were failing. It was like we gotta get out on the road. We gotta light some more fires. Wasted. Yeah. So, yeah. It perspective is is gained or maybe changes when you're older. Mm, yeah, definitely. And especially when more people get involved, you know, in your family, you know, wives yeah. and kids and stuff like that. Like, <clears throat> it starts taking on a completely different uh, yeah perspective. Absolutely. You guys have played. Uh, these you know festivals and then even this show, you know Magic Springs isn't you know I, I've seen you guys play at these large festivals and I've seen you guys play in rock clubs, and uh, I've seen you play in like the the back alleys of rock clubs and like you know these after show things. Is there is there anywhere you won't play John Foreman? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you'll you'll go anywhere 
where the people are. Yeah, I have not found that place that we won't go to play. We we've played, we have opened for Anthrax in the UK. We we just did a tour in Australia with, um, you know, Marilyn Manson and uh, System of a Down and, you know, pretty much every heavy band that yeah you I've ever been like seeing the poster on the wall at the club and gone, oh man, those guys look frightening. Mm-hmm. That was the bill. Mastodon. You guys you know. are like a, like a coffee house band compared to those bands. I know. Just yeah, it's so <laughs> funny. So there was a lot of fake blood on the stage. Of course. And um, On your stage. On our yeah. stage. We, you brought in the fake blood. No, we were the only band on our stage <laughs> that didn't the- have the fake blood. So <laughs> I think there was some real blood as well. Oh, but, I have uh, no doubt. Yeah, so no, I mean, I, I love it though. I think that's what... Um, that's one of the things I love about music is that it brings everybody together. It, it is a equalizing mm-hmm. entity that kind of begins a conversation rather than ends it. This is the start. This is your heart. This is the day you were born. This is the sun. These are your lungs. This is the day you were born And I'm always, always, always yours And I'm always, always, That's got to be a trip, especially night after night, to look out in the crowd. Yeah, it is It is wild to think of, especially when you go overseas where English is not the primary language, to hear people in Japan singing your lyrics, you know, as loud as ever, and then you, you talk to them after the show and you realize they don't really speak yeah. English. Those are just, you know, they connect with the songs on a, on a different level. That, yeah, that's crazy. There's something else going on underneath, you know, viscerally through them that they're a- attaching onto. I wanted to talk, because you guys started out so, <clears throat> almost like, just from the stories that the internet tells me, which is where I get most of my <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's where we all get You guys almost started out, like, accidentally, it seems like. Uh, yeah. We just kind of formed, it's, I mean, a lot of bands just start formed to have fun, but it seems like you guys formed it pretty quickly, you know, the ball started rolling, like, a lot faster than a lot of bands, uh, I feel like. With the the backstory is, we, my brother and I, and Chad as well, of course, we've all just been playing in bands our whole life, you know, so bands form, bands dissolve, and that's just the way high school and college goes, you know, and, and sometimes you're dealing with two or three bands at the same time, and it's all just good fun, and, you know, at the back of your mind you're thinking, man, what if we could open for a national act at SOMA, that'd be awesome, you know, that that's your, that's your high watermark, you know? Yeah. And so when one of... My brother and I, we were in a band called Etc. And when the drummer left and Chad's band had just dissolved, we thought, man, let's let's uh, start playing with Chad. And so that happened. And then probably within a year or so, we had a record out. So it was pretty quick, you know. And like a record, like Legend of Chin was that? Yeah, oh, Legend okay. of Chin. We, we did a, a demo tape on my four track that, that was before it caught on fire. 
and of course, yeah, before the famous four track fire, yeah, of so, 1996. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, um, that it it was all you know. Let's graduate from college and let's play rock and roll on the side, and mm. this is it's a blast. It's, it's really fun. We got a chance to go on tour and and go to you know the UK and a bunch of different places, and that's when it started to fe- started to feel like wow people are actually listening to what we have to say. Right. Let's, we, maybe we should take it seriously. I think it was, it took us two or three records to get to that place where we thought, you know, let's take it serious. But it, yeah, it did grow into something where I did eventually drop out of college and think How of long did music. that take? How long did, like, resigning to the idea that, okay, this might be a thing that lasts for a little bit? Yeah, it took, um, two, well, that uh, freshman year was when uh, Legend of Chin came out, and then I I made it to my junior year before I finally threw in the towel. Nothing but a chemical in my head. There's nothing but laziness. Cause I don't want to read the book. I'll watch the movie. Cause it's not me. Yeah, I mean, it was still like, yeah, of course, I can graduate college. Why wouldn't I graduate right, college? Right. You know, and, and then it just, the demands of the road kind of added up, and the professors weren't really excited about me being in Iowa on the day of the exam or whatever. <laughs> right. What uh, What was your focus in college? What was your oh, major, major or whatever? <laughs> Lack of focus was there my focus. No, I was very popular major. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's 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 genius, really. Um, no, I I did a bunch of different majors. I. I actually really enjoyed college. I loved learning and um, got pretty good grades. So I I did economics for a while. Um, Interesting. Then I was a humanities major, just kind of um, thinking about philosophy and trying to think maybe I could be a professor in some area like that because I love, I love that line of thought. And then I, I thought to myself, you know, maybe I should, while I'm doing music, I should learn about music. And so I studied music, and so I was a music major for the last year or so. And that was when I was getting paid to to produce CDs and, and right. play shows, and I was paying the college a lot of money. I was <laughs> to thinking, teach this you how is, to do it. I'm losing all the money that we're I making know, on the road. So yeah, <laughs> I've got to I got to figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> that that's interesting. The economics thing is interesting to me. I don't know how if that's still in there. I definitely understand the humanities aspect of it because it seems like just through uh, seeing you guys play and just hearing you in other interviews and even talk on stage and just through the writing of your songs, it seems like there is a very like uh, yearning for knowledge and we're just learning about the, the human condition in general and kind of what we're all, you know, how we all view things. It seems like there's a very philosophical, I mean, that's a, not even an undertone to, to your writing. I feel like it's very, very prevalent. 
but the economics thing is just it's interesting. I didn't expect to hear that. I still <laughs> love economics. Really? Yeah, I love it. I think that that is the. Uh, I mean, if you think of of uh, the way we spend our money, as the biggest evidence of whatever faith we're living under, underneath what we say, um, we're, the faith we're living out, then economics is really the study of modern faith. Because where you put your money... That's very true. ...is what you believe in. And um, so for me, it was kind of like deeper than the class struggles and and um, how do we, uh, you know, as a believer thinking through, well, how do we attempt to wrestle with the sick and the poor and the broken? What does that mean on an economic term? And so I don't, I don't have any answers on these things, but I really find no, the information fascinating as well. Yeah, I never even thought about that. That, that is absolutely spot on, though, because I mean, just thinking about my own, you know, what I put my, what I pour my money in. I mean, a lot of people do like whatever their hobby is, whatever their. <clears throat> whatever the thing they they put the thing that they because money is a thing that you work hard yeah you spend most of your time earning and whenever you put that towards it's obviously going to be the thing that you you know worship or yeah you know I mean, it's true I mean the mall is like the modern house of worship so true you go there you you adore certain things you come home with them <laughs> you pay your penance and yeah you know it's not really you put it on a shelf you either devour it yeah and it lives inside you uh, or you or you put it on a shelf and, and adore it you're like a flat screen or whatever it is yeah 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 and it's and i don't take it to like the extreme of therefore let's burn down the malls or no, something it's no. more just like um trying to figure out myself it's all very driven by my own yeah inadequacies yeah <laughs> No, absolutely, and there's definitely a, a, a any kind of extreme. I feel like tearing all that down. I don't think it would solve anything because we would just figure out a way to manifest it some yeah. other way. Oh, but yeah. figure out a way to just be aware of it, maybe, and and yeah. temper it a little bit. But that's very interesting to me because I took a year off between high school and college, and my parents let me go on tour with a band because I thought I wanted to do music, which I, I am now still doing. But um, I knew like day two that I wasn't going to college. Just like on tour, like, right. we were playing. You know, we were sleeping at the venues. We were. It was a terrible tour, but mm-hmm. I was like, "This is there's something here." Uh, it's just interesting that you. I've been on those tours for on. years. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, there's something there's something awesome when it's said out loud to a, in the van, like we're gonna sleep on the stage we played at. Yeah. And then when you're actually doing it, it's just so like I just want to be home. Like it's oh, just humbling. Yeah. Like there's I so just many of those. I just rocked this stage, you know, to four people on the sound guy. I mean, you know, if you're honest. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, but there's but if there is an element of like I'm at least I'm doing it. And I believe in this. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's interesting to me that you kind of, you held on to like the college thing for. <laughs> but you know, yeah. it, makes, it makes sense on the level of like, it's easier to hold on to the college thing when there's like four people showing up, like you said, oh, and you're like, yeah. oh man, I, I really should probably keep keep getting my grades. You know, I guess in my head, I just I just assumed that you guys were immediately playing to bigger crowds, not bigger crowds, but like you know, people who were coming to see you. Who you were yeah, with a record being in stores, you always equate that with like, right. well, of course, people must know who. They are, but that's not always the case. Not, not the case, yeah. Uh, you guys, we talked about that, but you put out those first three records. Um, I feel like every record along the way has been has been different thematically, and it. But I feel like there was a, a shift between. I don't know what this was, but it's always fascinated me. I, I've been listening to you guys from from the beginning, from Legend of Ten, <clears throat> so it's been fun to follow it. But there's there is a shift between uh, learning to breathe and and Beautiful Letdown, 
in, in sound. And I know the, some of that must be in adding Jerome to the mix because uh, he seems like some sort of mad wizard of sound. Uh, but it, it, it seemed to go to a more, I guess more, I don't want to use the term modern rock, but more, more of a rock edge to it, more of a bigger sound perhaps, even the bigger sounding record. Um, and then it's kind of stayed there uh, throughout. I mean, it, it definitely has its dynamics and stuff. But I, I, I was wondering if you guys were aware of what you were doing or it was just one of those things where the venues were getting bigger and so you were letting that kind of dictate your sound as far as like playing bigger anthems and bigger, you know. Do you see that difference between those first three records and before? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have had the privilege of working with a lot of amazing individuals um, over the years. Producers, uh, Steve Lillywhite and, um, you know, Jakir King, Charlie Peacock, mm-hmm. back, I mean, everyone we worked with, I've, I've learned so much from these, these people and I think um, the first time, for, for us, A Beautiful Letdown was a huge risk. We um, pretty much did it on our own, like, that was, that was a record that we just said, hey, we picked a, a guy that we liked the stuff he had done. We had, I think it was like two weeks um, that the, all the songs were recorded and, and wow. almost mixed in two weeks. And um, but we had been I'd been working um, in my bedroom, this little house near the beach in our hometown, and just kind of layering a bunch of sounds on my own. It was the first time that I'd really. Um, been able to have my own setup, and so the there, the two weeks was preceded by a year and a half of just plugging away um, on my own. Yeah, you know. So I think that by the time we got to the studio, we had a very clear direction. And John Fields, the guy who produced that, was the first guy that I think was able to realize the what we were trying to do as far as that, like the heavier tunes. I remember we did Meant to Live first, and it was the first time where it finally felt like, oh, that's that's what we're, we've been trying to yeah. sound like for a while. So, oh, really? Yeah, I feel like um, it's it's easy. We've always been better, well, especially um, as time progressed, It's it, there was a shift where the stage became better than the, the record. and that became actually the problem was like, well, how do we get the energy of the stage onto the record? And he was the first guy that felt like, oh, we, we actually, we maybe we've come to a place where we know what we want enough, but we also have a producer that, that can take us there as well.
it's all um, the glass you're looking through and that's what's so fun about producing a record is that you can really push yeah. a song in a million different directions yeah where did the uh, the idea to incorporate more members with because I think by album four by beautiful letdown you guys had incorporated Jerome and then and then Drew came along pretty quickly thereafter, maybe even around that time. Yeah. But what, where, what was the kind of decision as far as, like, we need this element to it or... or how yeah, well, we, we were writing songs that had a little bit more sophistication to them, and for us, we're not, like, a hired guy type of band. We, If you're playing keyboards and guitar, then you're in the band. Yeah. You know, so um, it, it, it just felt like the like the heart of Jerome was was in keeping with what we were trying to do and we'd known him for years and then the same with Drew and mm-hmm. we just felt like no this is this is a good fit let's uh let's make this happen pretty instantaneous pretty just felt natural yeah super as natural as far as that's concerned um you know I think we took Jerome out on tour he he actually called me from uh his first day on the job faxing and collating like mm. and data entry like <laughs> right you know at the, the literally the tallest building in LA and he calls me and says hey um I know we were talking a while back about keyboards and stuff would you still need a keyboard player I was like yeah man come on <laughs> literally that day he goes over it. to his boss and he's like I'm I quit and yeah that he's been out with us ever since <laughs> That's so great. I definitely know the know that feeling. Working temp jobs, or yeah. Just like, oh, this isn't me. You're like, you know? oh, this is where can I be anywhere but here? Exactly. You know? Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting. It also seems to uh, afford you more opportunities to kind of withdraw there, especially. Well, I guess drum too, because he plays guitar. But just to throw the guitar down, grab the mic, and like engage the crowd even more. Because I feel like you guys are, have always been a really good band, and like engaging the crowd, making eye contact, a lot of things that, you know, kind of go against the rock star archetype, I guess, you know, there are guys out there, you know, a lot of kind of rock, big rock bands that will just like kind of like get up there and like do their thing and be adored, you know, uh, but you guys seem to like want to engage and like, and, and even now, like you jumping into the crowd and like walking through the crowd and doing like that spotlight thing and it's like, absolutely, uh, it seems to give you more opportunity to do that with somebody back there playing guitar parts and stuff too was that yeah it was very intentional because you know we grew up in an environment where music was a communal experience everyone was a part of it didn't matter if you had a microphone or not Mm -hmm. you were there you're singing the song and and um the stage becomes uh something that we have always tried to blur the boundaries of where the stage begins and ends yeah and that's something that we're still continuing to try and do yeah so with with yeah with with drew and jerome in the picture something that allowed me to yeah you know, man, take my guitar great. off and and run around a little bit more how much of that is planned as far as rehearsing goes or how much of them is it just their intuition watching you as far as like cues go in the song because sometimes you'll just stretch you know, yeah, like parts out and just kind of like let it breathe for a little bit. Which yeah. makes me, as a performer, makes me nervous. I'm like, are they gonna get? If he, can they see him? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's um, it's all, all those cues, you know, they're all kind of, you begin to just as a band, you you kind of, on a good night, you you're just functioning and yeah, and um, that's why we we could never play to tracks. I know, like, 
when we first started playing the tracks was horrible like it was looked down upon whereas now I, I guess people are okay with it but I come from my, more of the old school mm-hmm. place where I want to see a band play their instruments you know so yeah and for us I mean we don't play the same song every night like we we stretch out parts we we condense it you know you break a string you gotta loop the the verse for a couple bars while you get a new guitar whatever it is and um that's what i love about live music is that it's not the record if i want the record i can press play i've got a really good stereo system in my car you know (laughs) so i want to i want to hear what you sound like i want to see what you do when things go wrong yeah and so for us a lot of those um you know stretching slowing down speeding up those kinds of things um i i love it it's some of my favorite parts of Live yeah, music. me too. The dynamic build and like the you're bringing it way down to where you know there's like you know potentially a thousand people in there just being almost silent. Yeah, you know, and then just building that energy back up. Like there's nothing better than that. <laughs> like, absolutely. Is, yeah, you feel it. I mean, you can absolutely feel it. Uh, that's got to be a fun. It's got to be fun to be the conductor of that too. So, yeah. Way, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I um, my parents took me to Disneyland and I the, the parade went by and. For a while there, they couldn't find me, and then they looked at the parade, and I was following the band, like acting like I was in the marching band, you know. And I think that's that's been me ever since, wow. like just wanting to be a part of the music, you know, yeah. wanting to feel like I'm I'm in inside the song, you know. You were a child Ferris Bueller. <laughs> right, <laughs> except I wasn't on the float. Oh, okay. Yeah. You had, all, you had all these like Dutch maids like around you. Right? Yeah, no, no, that's not part of the story. <laughs> everything I, I do want to ask as far as <clears throat> you guys every record does have a, like I said kind of kind of a theme to it and mm-hmm. I know you guys are kind of known for writing you know sometimes hundreds of songs just or whether it be a little bit of a, or a full realized song uh, how do you break it down from hundreds of songs to a potential 12 with five people giving an input. Yeah, I can show you that right now. I got my computer right here. That just seems maddening and so time-consuming to me. No, uh, it's, it is maddening. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, because you end up spending more of your time um, working on lists of songs and okay. how to organize them than you do on the song themselves. Does that make sense? A little bit. So, so all the songs kind of fall in the, into categories then? So yeah, you, you, I mean, to 
to go over songs, uh-huh. um, to, to find some semblance of order, you have to start to put them in categories like, okay, yeah. is, and, and how do you do that? Do you do it thematically? Do you do it by BPM? Do you do it by like the emotion it makes you feel? Right. And sometimes, um, so here's, here's the list of songs for, for our, our new, this is, this is the, what we've narrowed it down to. The, the A, B, and C, they all got graded. Right. Anything below a C didn't make the cut. And then, so then you were talking about, like, what are the things to look for? What, how, what is the state of the song in? Do we need to demo it? Do we need a new bridge? Do we need a new verse? And, um, but yeah, it's maddening because, and you really have to keep, like, almost like a horse, put the blinders on and start running. Yeah. Because if... You have to run in one direction. If you, you can't just take the open field and pursue every line. Right. You have to say, okay. Um, and I think that comes from you, you. You put a couple of songs together and you say, okay, well, this is this is the vision for this record. It's really interesting though. We're building it off of a, a soundtrack because we're making a movie called Fading West, and so this next record is going to be the soundtrack for the movie. So the movie dictates which of these wow. songs thematically are fitting. That's really cool. So yeah, so that's kind of, it's, it's been a really good way to determine which songs are, are lining up. That's really interesting. I've always equated, like, as far as records go, to the way a, a, a screenplay or, or a movie would work anyway, as mm-hmm. far as act one, act two, act three. Right. So that's absolutely, like... That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, so that's that's, that's our that's goal. Awesome. That's our goal with this one, and um, it's gonna be a a different sound because with the movie, um, I think it opens the the field a little bit more as far as the genre of yeah. what we do. You know, to just kind of thinking through well, what what is gonna be needed in this moment or this moment. Right. You know, and it's. It might be something we've territory we've covered, but it might be something completely new. Right. So that's that's where, that's where that's we're at right now. And yeah. So it basically, you know, I mean, this is like two different songs that we actually mashed up. The uh huh. There's the the top tracks are the green, and the orange track is a track that we wrote years ago, and you know, just kind of that's what that list allows us to do is to have it all in front of us. And also, it, it helps you not be too precious with material, which can of, often be detrimental if you just can't yeah. let go of a song. It's like yeah, no, you yeah. have to let things go. And, yeah, and to have a great song, it means that anything good might have to just be left on the floor. You but know, it can always come have, back too. Like yeah, the, the you got to cut the fat and just keep refining it right. and making it great. You know, right? So that's I mean that's the thing of a statue, right? All you're doing is cutting away, mm-hmm. and so. That's hopefully what we're doing when we're making a record is just yeah. making the right chops. When does this start happening? When does the record? When you guys? So we'll you're always recording. Stuff. Yeah, we're just kind of doing the pre-production now, and then um, the record will hopefully come out uh, next year. That's, but that's in exciting. the meantime, I'm going to have a fiction family record. In oh, that's right. Yeah, February. people have been asking. I, I I tweeted out the I was talking to you guys, and the people were asking mainly about. That people are so excited about. It should be fun. Should be really fun. That's so. awesome. Is there any really quick? Is there any uh, plans for any more solo? Yeah, stuff I'm too? about like 20 songs in, 30 songs really? in on that. Like where I've been actually working with other uh, producers, different people from 
Ryan from Sleeping at Last. Oh, Darren, yeah. Darren I know from, Ryan, yeah. Yeah, Darren from Mute Math. Oh, cool, yeah. And different people um, were there actually taking the track and taking it in certain directions, and then I get the stuff back, and I try and mold an album out of that. So That's cool. Yeah, that should be fun. And that'll probably come out after uh, Fading West. You seem to have a lot of really awesome things, as always, coming down the pipeline. I'm excited, That's man. Really cool. some fun stuff. <laughs> That's really I cool. Mean, it's, it's the dream again to be a part of the music. So well, I have to say, as I bought Legends of Chin, I think around the week that it came out, just almost on accident. Yeah, you and like four other people. I know, seriously, so. just almost. I just, I just something about the album cover just grabbed me. I guess I don't know. As a kid, and uh, I grabbed it, and I've I've been a fan ever since, and followed you guys through, and I'm really, it's been really exciting to see just uh, also being an artist and kind of seeing it through that lens, but seeing you guys go through uh, all the different avenues you've gone down everything from the band in the, the way it's changed and, and just gotten better and better and then through uh, Fiction Family and your solo stuff as well so awesome like, man. Well, thank you for the compliment Absolutely. I appreciate that John thank you so much for doing this I yeah. really appreciate it thank you for your time well that's the show thanks for listening for all things John Foreman uh, you can check out johnforeman.com uh, or check out his solo EPs as well as tour dates for Switchfoot and Fiction Family uh, they're all there at johnforeman.com if you've enjoyed what you heard today on the podcast you know what to do go leave a review on the iTunes podcast page seriously I'd love you forever please go do it uh, thanks again for listening as always for who writes this stuff I'm Nick Flora go do something creative 